delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the Racetalk.com. This is on the grid. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us. Another big show coming your way. We had a big weekend of TCRs up at Queensland Raceway and the man who has now taken charge of the championship, or the lead anyway, is Josh Buck and he'll join myself and Richard Crowell in just a sec for a chat about the weekend and what's upcoming for the remainder of the TCR season, including some fantastic races at the end at City Motorsport Park and Bathurst. Mark Walker to join us also to wrap up what has been a massive weekend for Australians around the world, including Shane Van Gisbergen and, of course, Brody Kostecki with their NASCAR uh, debuts for Brody and also Shane's second run in the NASCAR, but his debut in the Truck Series. We'll talk all about that and much more right here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. And joining me, as he always does, off the top of the program, Richard Crowell. Hello, Crowley. Hello, Shebex. Two weeks at Queensland Raceway. It uh, was excellent, actually. Um, the Shannon Speed Series on the weekend was a, a cracking weekend of racing. Lots of drama. Uh, and there's no there's no manufactured spice in the Speed Series. It's all real. So there's people punching on in GT World Challenge, in Audi versus Mercedes, there's some good, good battles going on in super cheap auto TCR. There's all sorts of stuff raging. So none of this manufactured drama. It's all proper, authentic stuff, and it's all bloody good too, mate. So we're looking forward to debriefing all of that a little bit later on in the program. Yeah, we certainly are. First of all, though, let's have a chat to the man who has taken the lead of the TCR Australia Series after a couple of disastrous results for Bailey Sweeney, who was leading. That man, though, who is up front now and doing it well, Josh Bucken joins us for a chat. G'day, Josh. How are you? I'm good, gents. Thank you for having me on your uh, lovely show this evening. Oh, thank you for coming on board, mate. What a great weekend that was. It was okay. I mean, like I took the lead of the series, but I, I kind of just chipped away and inherited it. I would I wouldn't say I went out and took it. Okay. Um, but uh, look, there's there's no uh, greater heights to yell from than the, than the top. So happy to have it. And it's been a good comeback from you because the opening round back in Tasmania at the start of the year which feels like a very, very long time ago now, by the way, um, didn't quite go to plan for you, but it's been a really solid bounce back. So what, what's been the process? Just walk those that might not be familiar with the road you've taken this year and your brand new Hyundai i30 sedan NTCR. Just walk it's us through the, yeah, thank you. Uh, just walk <laughs> us through the process you've had to, to get on top of that car and, and get to a position where you can contend for wins and championship leads. Yeah, you're right. It is a process. It actually started on the Thursday down in Tasmania when we realized that we were going to be in trouble that weekend. So, um, you know, this series is one on consistency and, and you know, not doing anything silly. Um, oh, look, there was about four or five of us who could have won it last year. Um, when you look at it, such a competitive field and, and so tight. Um, I, I lost it at Phillip Island. We we made an error as a team on on a strategy, and and I, I it basically destroyed a weekend. Um, so our our aim from the start of the year was to not not make any errors. So we were instantly thrown a hurdle with the car being broken for basically, um, you know, two practice days, three races, and um, it was like, okay, this is a good start. Um, so we kind of sat down, consolidated. 
what we knew was going to be a tough draw anyway for our car, just looking at the circuits and going, okay, how can we dig ourselves out of this hole? Um, and it just was to try and make the most informed, smartest decisions that we could uh, through the, throughout the rest of the year, make sure we had a good tyre allocation at circuits we were going to be good at, make sure that we just dotted I's, crossed T's uh, at circuits we didn't think we were going to be good at, um, th this conversation legitimately took place on the Thursday at Tasmania earlier yeah, in the right. year. Um, yeah. So, so to be honest, everyone goes, "Oh, I'm not thinking a championship." It's bullshit. Like I was thinking a championship <laughs> the, the the minute I crossed the line at Bathurst last year. So, um, so it, it has been a thought out process, um, and yeah, we've got a little strategy that we're working to, and so far it's got us here. You cannot win this series purely on. Uh, having you know your own show and running it, you, you do need luck. Um, I had a heap of bad luck at the first round. Bailey's had some luck, bad luck this previous round. Brownie's had a heap of bad luck. So, yeah, you're not going to win it on merit. You, you, you kind of need to just be there when mistakes or errors are in front of you, deal with them, move on, get on with it. So a uh, long-winded answer, but, yeah, it, it's it, it's been a process. And then, yeah, since then, back, back to your second point to that, um, the Phillip Island round couldn't have gone any better um, with a couple of wins and, you know, getting us right back up there. And then the Winton round with a heap of weight still sort of exceeded our own expectations and finished second for the round. Just again, by, you know, some, some smart decisions made by some smart people in the team. So uh, yeah, after QR basically running fifth or sixth all weekend, now, now I'm in the lead. So by one point, but it's a lead. <laughs> it is a lead, and that's the main thing. And Josh, it would seem like you talk about consistency. It would seem to me that the Hyundai is just one of those cars that consistently puts in at every track. It may not be the fastest at every track, but it's consistently a performer at every track. Certainly, it's probably. Uh, I don't look at too many of the other cars, but uh, from what I'm told, it's certainly one of the best built cars uh, globally. Anyway, um, you know, it's built directly by Hyundai Motorsport. So not, not all the cars are built by the actual factory teams that um, they might be factory supported, but not many of them brand the, the uh, brand name in the logo. So they are very reliable cars more often than not. And uh, they're, they're put together quite well. So it helps us out for sure. How do you within the team manage this little inter-team battle you've got? Because both yourself and Bailey have been, exceptional all season long and, and Bailey had a tough weekend admittedly but everyone has one of those at some point in a championship as you said how do you manage it how do you avoid it becoming a bit more spicy than just two teammates both trying to win races and, and win the championship and and there's always that potential isn't there when you're you're racing an internal um competitor for a, for a title so how do you manage that so I guess there's a couple of ways to look at that. The, the first one being is that we're, we're in totally different cars. So um, when we actually look at data or anything like that, nothing he does is relevant to what I do and, and nothing I do is relevant to him. So in terms of data share or anything, that that's a big strain that's not there. Uh, I know when I've shared cars in the past, I don't want anyone looking at my shit. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm the first to try and look at theirs if, if I have a deficit. Uh, deficit. So... Um, that that's gone straight away, which, which is good. Um, the other thing is that being that way, when we go to a circuit that I might go well at, the other car might not be so strong at, we probably won't even run into each other on, on the circuit. So, mm. uh, and if we are normally we're it's, it's when one has a significant advantage over the other. 
so it's it's not really a problem um we're both intelligent enough not to ruin our own race by trying to hold someone up or trying to spear past when we know it's an easy easy pick anyway so i guess that settles it up until this point what i do know is that when we come to bathurst um he normally qualifies quite well. I normally race quite well there. So I, I, I'm pretty sure that the last round of the year, we're going to come to blows at some point. Um, <laughs> and at that stage, I've only got a day or two to spend with him until the end of the year. So I don't really care what happens. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so we'll see. We'll see come Bathurst time. And to add some more spice to it, uh, there's going to be some international flavour in there as well. Yep, certainly is. So we've got obviously the... Um, Europeans from the world tour coming out, uh, which will be great. Um, I, I think they're going to struggle at Bathurst initially. Uh, if we turn our minds back to when Teddy Clarier raced last year, uh, who's, I think he was running in the top five at the uh, world games, TCR world games or whatever it was called last year. Um, he was six seconds off in the first session of practice. So I think it's going to be a bit of a shock for them to figure it out in two sessions. Um, Sydney, I think they'll be fast, but I think Bathurst, they're probably going to have their eyes peeled open for a, for a fair few laps. Mm, it's going to be really interesting. There's two drivers of the nine that were announced on the weekend that have been there before in the, in Rob Huff, who's a former world touring car champion and Fred Vavish, who has raced the 12 hour in a factory R8 for a couple of times. So I think, of the two of them, and they're both in the Audi RS3, which is we know is a pretty handy piece of kit. So I reckon they'll be the ones to look at initially when they get to Mount Panorama, just purely because they know the place. And Fred was there in February at the 12-hour, for example. But how much are you looking forward to that challenge, though, Josh, of putting your HMO Customer Racing Australia squad up against the the BRC Squadra Corsa cars? Because these are the, you know, these are the crack world championship level Hyundai's in TCR racing, Mikola's Kona and Norby Michelas, the two drivers who are proper guns. You know, they've been doing this for a decade. So how do you look forward to that challenge? Oh, tremendously. I mean, what my aim has always been to compete at that uh, world level against guys like those. So um, I can't wait to see where I stack up. I mean, I, I rate the competition quite highly out here. I think that mm. if you can win uh genuinely out here and not not have it sort of you know not not fall into a win but if you can go out qualify race and, and win at the front in our category uh over the last couple of years I, I feel like that translates uh as as for the hyundai factory boys um i guess it's the local works guys against the overseas works guys i just want to see what their cars are like i i, I mm. want to get behind them I want to hit the gas at the same time i want to see where their engines are at i want to see what what camber they run in the car when it's sitting static i want to see what rake they're running i just want to see what the cars are doing because we've had ours for under 12 months and it's been all hands on deck they've had theirs for a couple of years now and they've won a couple of world titles so i just want to see where our car stacks up against theirs and if it's better or worse in areas, I want to know why, and and then uh, rub some panels with them in the process. So that, that's probably what's interesting me the most is do I have the same thing that they do? So uh, yeah, I, I I look forward to practice one where I can go and find out. And and it's a genuinely interesting scenario, Josh, because and and not something we've been able to experience here for 
a very long time. Super touring a little bit when some of the, the British touring car teams came down to run at the, the two-litre Bathurst 1000. But really, you've got to go back to the Group A Australian touring car days when Team Schnitzer would bring an M3 Group A car down and race it against the JPS BMWs and Eggenberger would bring their Sierras down and race them against Dick Johnson's that you really get the same set of regs in two different parts of the world coming together on our racetrack. So it's a it's a very exciting thing to have in our part of the world this year. Yeah, it is. And it's like having two little Bathurst 12 hours back to back in a sense. Mm. It's obviously not endurance races, but uh, you, you don't appreciate the quality of some of the drivers until you, you know, you see Amaro Engel t- tip it into the cutting or you see, you know, uh, Ricardo Feli, you see Renault Rask, you see all those guns in, in that category. I mean, we've got those guys coming out in, in our cars. So <laughs> you're right. There hasn't been that, um, th- there's seldom that level of competition. And, and this is a genuine world championship event. I mean, I, I, that, I don't think it's being publicized uh, as crazily as what it should be. I mean, it's a, it's a world championship event. <laughs> we, we don't get that. If, if it was the world championships of, you know, darts, um, people would be losing their mind. So I think after the Sydney round, when perhaps maybe there's, you know, quite a strong crowd in, in Sydney, I think once people see that, see what's going on, see the big trucks, uh, realize that it's actually quite a big deal. And that's the good thing about it too, is once people do get that feel for it at Sydney Motorsport Park, it's only a three-hour drive from to get to Bathurst, isn't it, to watch it the weekend after? Well, it's in a couple of days later, right? So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah it, it'll be fresh. It's not like we have it. And then six months later, oh, this is happening again. You forget about it. I mean, we're finished on Saturday night. Hey, we're starting up again six days from now. So, uh, yeah, it, it's it's going to be great. It's a it's a fantastic initiative to have, and it's it's been done very well uh, by all those involved to make it happen. Before that, we go to the great Sandown International Raceway in Melbourne's uh, inner southeastern suburbs. Um, it's a bit of a, a greenfield site for TCR. They haven't been there for a while, so that's going to be a, a level playing field, you'd think. But how does this championship play out? 80 points covering everyone from yourself down to Michael Clementi in eighth position at the moment, with more than that up for grabs every weekend. So it strikes me there's a heap of people still in the mix, and... It was interesting to see old Tony D'Alberto just slowly creeping up on them at a traditionally strong track for them and starting to make a bit of a run at it late in the season. So how do you think it plays out from here and who do you see as your your toughest rivals outside of the Hyundai camp? Yeah, I think you're right. Tony under the radar as ever. Uh, I I think the only trouble for Tony, they're getting that new car towards the end of the year, but QR Mm. was the strongest round by a long shot for those guys. So um, you know, if they were in the old car, you, you, as it sounds, you probably put a line through them at this point, but yep. they do have that um, sort of draw card of having a brand new weapon for the last two rounds. If it, if it rolls out as quick as what the Audi does fresh, then they're mm. a massive factor. If it rolls out like our car did and, and needed, <laughs> needed some spanners, then uh, you can put an even bigger line through them. But uh, Tony's always a threat, super intelligent, great racer, um, contrary to what, some of the headlines and uh, <laughs> what whatnot came out over the weekend, which I was involved in as well. Yeah, um, there's a bit of spice with him and Jordan Cox at the moment, isn't there? Well, yeah, I mean, Cox, him and Coxie had it coming together and then Coxie speared into me and basically broke the whole front end of my car 150, 200 metres later. So, yeah, um, yeah I, 
I went looking for Geordie in the pits. I couldn't find him. <laughs> Apparently he was looking for me as well. Um, so I saw him at the airport that afternoon and um, kind of went up to him and I said, hey, mate, um, does Cox Automotive get trade parts on sack shocks? Because you, <laughs> you just, you bent one of mine, by the way, Hyundai Motorsport. You, you got an account with them because I need some arms. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he's done a good job of upsetting a few people in the last round or two as Geordie. So um, I know he's going out looking for people, but um some people might be after him so mm. um but that's good that's what we need you know gt has what well, like you said earlier punch on so yeah. it's nothing wrong with a bit of his ass in our field i actually thought i was just doing my wrestling podcast in that was yeah it's crazy it's legit <laughs> yeah. it's exactly what's happened it's tremendous uh, well john's actually put himself in the frame too for the championship hasn't he i think he's only like 19 points out or something yeah and look I kind of said that to him um, when I saw him after the fact. Like, he, he's always a factor. He's one of the most talented guys in the country, uh, not just in a front-wheel drive car, but in any car. He's, he's, a, he's a raging talent. And, um, you know, traditionally all that's let him down is just a, a poor judgment call here or there. And um, he's always a factor coming into the last round traditionally. So, um, yeah, Geordie Jordy will be there or thereabouts come the end of the year, I'm sure of it. Uh, last one from me. Are you looking forward to doing some more TV? I'm sure you're going to get roped into our Stan Sport team at some point between now and the end of the season. Mate, ask Jansen before QR. I'm like, hey, mate, what am I doing this weekend? He says nothing. I'm like, what? what? Did you, <laughs> you've done? sacked me. I've been I've been hooked. It's, I've been in TV five minutes and I already know what it's like to be hooked. So Welcome to the entertainment business, my friend. Yes. That's right. You're the flavor of the month one week and then you're the <laughs> – yeah you know what the next so uh yeah no I, i'm i'm sure i'll i'll, I'll don the shirt once more again the only trouble is really the only event i can do that i'm not racing at normally is the six hour and mm. um you know i i'd like to think next year i'm a better chance of what i am this year to drive so maybe i'll have to do an ambrose and have uh have a fireproof stand shirt and slap the race suit over it but yeah i i, I like that side of Things. I like the TV side. I think it's cool. Um, I'm not retired yet, though. So no. there's a couple of years I have left to do um, <laughs> before I uh, join join the uh, apprenticeship of Crowsey. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, mate, if it's any consolation, we like you too on the TV. We've spoken about that, and uh, you're a bright young talent, mate, and uh, we wish you all the best, not only on the TV side, but also very much on the racing side, and uh, hopefully 2023 brings you a championship and continues to go down that path. Yeah, I'll certainly be uh, swinging fists until the end to make that, that come true. So uh, thank thank you very much. Good on it. Josh Bucken joining us here on The Grid. There's more great motorsport stories coming next on The Grid. As we always do at this point in the program, Mark Walker joins us and we say g'day to him. Hello, Mark. Hello, Tony Shebecki. Uh, Richard Crail. Richard, did you... um? Put your hand up to take his drive because he's going to take your commentary job in future. <laughs> we talked about that. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I don't think there's reciprocal rights for oh, uh, for the commentator race car drivers swaparoo. Um, they tend to jump into the commentary box better than commentators jump into race cars, which is a shame. And you've seen me drive, so, you know. Uh, he's a ripper young talent though is, uh, Josh, the future is bright. And we had him on the show last year from memory and, and it was a good chat then and still is now and right in the mix of the pretty compelling super cheap auto TCR Australia title battle. So looking forward to seeing how that plays out over the remaining three rounds, two of which will include 
a bunch of pretty well credentialed uh, international Shebeks that are going to come and join the fun, which is really cool. Yeah. Is there a bit of a reinvigoration around TCR at the moment? It seemed like it was sort of dropping off and maybe waning a little bit, but it seems like it's really picked up again. Well, I think this year was this year was a challenge and they dropped some numbers. Yep. And, and there were 13 cars on the weekend, which is not where they want to be, obviously. But there's more on the horizon domestically. So I think they'll pick up one or two for Sandown. And then it looks like there's going to be you know, an additional to what we had on the weekend, probably an additional four Aussie cars, if not five for the world tour rounds at Eastern Creek and Bathurst in November. And then there's nine international drivers confirmed already. There's, there's one additional one, which will be a second Honda to what was announced. And then uh, there's a couple more on the pipeline to be announced down the road. So, you know, it could be anywhere up to 12 or 13, if not more international cars coming down, which will be great. But that, the list that was released on the weekend is really quite exciting. And um, from a touring car point of view in front wheel drive turbo TCR cars, they're nine of the better drivers you're going to tap into, which is what we want. So it's going to be a really cool challenge. And we haven't seen this in this part of the world for a little while. So um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that plays out and seeing how guys like Rob Huff and Ted Bjork, who are properly world-class to, um, you know, touring car drivers, world champions, um, go and, and race against our guys. It's going to be good fun. So there in the weekend at Queensland Raceway, we had Will Brown finally mm. having an Audi that didn't cut itself in half, which was lovely to see. And he went out there and donged them. But uh, Brad Harris, that was not yeah. on my bingo card for this year. It would have been some Shebeki crazy bingo card that yeah. he <laughs> made up by mistake. Yeah. <laughs> but Brad Harris with the win and third overall for the weekend on merit. He was up there in the top mm. three overall in race three as well. That was huge. Yeah. And it's great that, um, and there are a couple of results like that on the weekend in, in a couple of categories that were sort of the privateers mm. beating on the big dogs. And it happened in Trans Am as well, like Elliot Barber on the podium, Tom Heyman, um, all really cool stories. And, and that was the same. And yeah, he's driving for wall racing, which is a crack team and the reigning champions and the Hondas have always gone well at QR, but he's a bloke who's jumped out of improved production car racing. Um, straight into a pretty high level against some well-credentialed drivers and, yeah, knocked them off. It was a ripper drive, a lot of pressure. And one of those cars was Will Brown, don't forget. So he seems to be in quite a lot of demand at the moment. So, yeah, it was it was really good. And, and results like that are great. And it just it keeps people interested and um, engaged with it when otherwise someone's off running away with it, like Will Brown was on the weekend. I mean, he was dominant he was never going to be beaten in a non-reverse grid race but great that he was in when the opportunity presented so well well done to brad what else happened on the weekend up there at qr oh man lots can we talk about fanatec gt world challenge for a moment if you'd like how big's the fight going to be there like are they going to actually give out a sheep station at the end of this season well aside from the fact that whoever wins it could afford one um it's <laughs> It, it is another championship this year, which is 100% dead set in the Fair Dinkum department. Brilliant and completely organic in how it's unfolded in its in its hostility, which is just sensational. It's a great storyline. And um, yeah, and it unfolded on the weekend with Liam Talbot getting into Prince Abu Ibrahim in the Merc in the final corner while passing for the lead and then 15 second penalty, but still managed to get the margin and get the win. And there were really, ah, oh, awkward, how are you? awkward mm -hmm. scenes in victory lane. And, um, um, 
And Abu, I thought in his interview was very, very good. I thought he was very measured and, oh, you know, it happens, rah, rah, rah. Uh, and Jamie Winkup was all, hey, you know, whatever. It happens, hey, you know. smiling. <laughs> but, but there was one other member of the Triple Eight team who was not quite so forgiving, I can tell you, uh, having seen it unfold. Uh, so there's definite tension there and there's definite tension remaining between Liam Talbot and Yasser Shahin. Um, which is fantastic. So, and, and it turns out that they're in contention. Liam leads the championship, but Yasser will be fighting for it on home turf in Adelaide in November at the Adelaide 500. So bring that on. That is going to be enormously good fun. Yep, it certainly is. Uh, we had racing at Sandown State Series. And I'll tell you what, the, the talk of the paddock, and I, I had a good chat with Michael Robinson, sports sedans at Bathurst. Mm. Just so looking forward to that. That's going to be good racing. It's going to be full, isn't it? Like, I yeah. mean, it will be the biggest sports and field in Australia for years, surely. Oh, 100%, yeah. But cool. I mean, anyone who witnessed the races at Queensland Raceway yeah, a week exactly. ago at the trophy round with uh, with Tony Riccadello, with Jordan Caruso and that Audi, which remains my favourite racing car, and... Um, and Stephen Tomasi in the Calibra, like they just went at it, hammer and tongs, lap records. I mean, that it bodes brilliantly for what we could see at Bathurst. I think it's cool that they end up on that program, the 60th anniversary Repco Bathurst 1000. It just, it sort of takes it back. You get up at six in the morning and you watch the HQs mm-hmm. as a support category before the great race. So I, I like that they've put them there. It's a cool, cool addition to it rather than just, you know, you've got Carrera Cup and your Troy D6s and those things. But it's good to mix it up a little bit. I think that'll be great. Formula Ford's also the National Series racing at Sandown over the weekend. And, uh, yes, we've had uh, some interesting things happen there in the program with uh, leaders stepping out now and having massive margins in the championship. So it'll be interesting to see how that all pans out. Zach Lobko, uh has taken himself away from CHE racing mm. and is uh, just running it with his dad. So he was second in the championship, but he's, uh, yeah, stepped right away. One would think uh, after the weekend. So yeah, it should see how that all pans out. Mark, you were at Calder. How'd that all go? That was amazing. It was, <laughs> uh, it was so good to go to a new racetrack, something completely different. And probably I've got some thoughts for the hots and knots and uh, I've banged up a big, Op-ed about it on the racetalk.com. Mm, very good. Thank you. But uh, the work they've done there, you know, it's clearly not a massive buck operation at the moment. They're, they're putting what they can into it. They're not tipping millions into it at this stage, but uh, they're putting enough to get up to spec. And uh, the job works. they've done in the last six months is just, it's amazing. Like the... A lot of the weeds have been pulled. They've done a lot of clearing of all the stuff that was overgrown and looking awful. They've done a lot of earthworks. They've done a lot of things to to get that place up to spec. And it's only going to get better and better if they maintain the rage of what they've done so far. Like the sky's the limit. If they want to keep pumping money in there, if they want to keep reinvesting, like that could really be a crown jewel facility. It's so close to Melbourne. It's got everything in place that it just needs to be polished and shaped and and finished off nicely, and they could have a really, really good facility going there. Good crowd there, some some good racing, like all the XLs and all that. Their racing was awesome. That's a cool racetrack. 
Mm. You know, you've got the best of every world there. You've got like a winter-like layout, but you've got a big, you know, 800-meter main straight down the drags there, which is uh, really good for slipstreaming. And yeah, it's great spectator track as well. You know, you look at Queensland Raceway, you can see everything. That's the big selling point of Queensland Raceway. But here you've got a really rad racetrack in front of you. So uh, I hope they keep plowing on with it and maintain the rage and wind up with something that's really, really special. Well, it would seem like the thing for them to do, and Rodney's probably done it well here, is that they know that Sandown's eventually going to go in the next few years. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And then Melbourne would be totally devoid of a permanent racetrack, apart from the one that they may be building at Avalon at some point, which uh, there's a lot of talk about at the moment, of course. But, yeah, if Sandown goes, then Calder needs to be in a position at that point in time to pick up the slack. And they could have themselves a good 35 to 40 race weekends happening over a year and that'd be some good money being brought in well it's not that i mean they've got so much stuff going on there as it is at the moment with all the drags and the roll racing the drifting there's drifting on there every weekend and by virtue of being drifting they can run it on any section of the place they run it on the thunderdome they run it backwards on the racetrack forwards on the racetrack using different bits of it all and you know it's a very multi-use thing that they've got going on there you look at sydney motorsport park and the thing that separates it from everything else is that it's covered in light towers call the parks half covered in light towers as it is they just need to get all the wiring put some new light bulbs in and away they go they've got mm. all that infrastructure already there i'm looking forward to that amrs run high-tech super series whatever it is uh yeah. come december that's going to be really cool out there under lights should be a good vibe um I, i'm really impressed I, I think it's a cool thing for motorsport that we're essentially getting a, a new venue back. Yeah, it's like a free racetrack, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah bonus. Um, I, I, you have to, You have to consider that there needs to be a discussion further that this Avalon project, as lovely it is to have all these amazing new facilities, that for the $200 million it's going to cost, and talk to the Shehins about what building a new racetrack costs, mm, mm. and everyone goes, oh, it's going to cost $100 million. It won't. It never does. It'll yeah. cost one fifty or 200 For $25 million, you could invest in Calder Park, and, and I think if someone went to Rodney Jane and said, we're going to put in $25 million, will you put in some and make it 30 or 35 or whatever? I reckon he'd do it because the the return would come at the other end. But you, you for for a, not an enormous investment, you could reinvigorate that entire precinct, yeah. and yeah. it's in such a good location, and it exists. And as Mark said in his op-ed, and I don't want to give too much of it away, but it's on the flight path to Tullamarine. It, it's unlikely to be encroached on any further by the houses in Keylor and Keylor Downs and all that. So aside from the fact that all the land around it's probably toxic anyway. Um, it just makes all the sense in the world. So I, I hope that there's some, I hope that there's some reach out from Motorsport Australia beyond the work that they've done to get the track license and things like that. I hope there's some reach out from that, link them in with their government talking that they've been doing to get this Avalon thing up, and maybe some common sense will prevail, and you can chuck some money at Calder instead, and and um, turn it into you know the all round amazing venue that Bob had it going for a couple of years in the late 80s, early 90s, um, that it could be again. It, it just makes a lot of sense. So why can't, yeah, we gr- why can't we be greedy and have both? Oh, well, pick your battles, I suppose, Shebex. The the problem with the Avalon track, and I'm all for new racetracks, is that a, um, 
A, it will never cost what they say it's going to cost, and B, government support is fickle. So, yeah, Dan Andrews got in now, and, yeah, he's all behind it, but in three and a half years, what happens if he gets kicked out, which is entirely likely based on the way politicians turn over at the moment. So all the, the opposition may have absolutely no inclination to spend $200 million on a racetrack. But then there's all the bureaucracy and red tape and bollocks that you have to go through to develop a greenfield site like that. Doing all the environmental, oh, no, we found a green frog. Oh, no, stop it. We've got to do a full study on that and see if we're going to hurt the frog's feelings and all this sort of stuff. And it's mm. just, it, it's so much effort to get to the stage of where you're going to spend your $200 million. You know, here at Calder, it's all there. Everything is there. Yeah, you yeah. just need to polish it and shape it. Yep. Yeah, it makes all the sense in the world. So, and, and I've got to tell you, I love that Mount Jane. What a yes, feature! It's good. Yeah, it, you know, you talk about these wacky racetracks. Oh, this one's got ripple strips and curbs and stuff. This one's got a cliff you jump off. It's <laughs> rad. It's like jumpy trucks. Everything goes up that hill. You just launch. It's fantastic. Fantastic stuff. And of course, there is a new racetrack in South Australia as of today. Well, a newly named racetrack anyway, with uh, Shell V Power Motorsport Park at the Bend. Uh, which, of course, is the new name for the racetrack there, and they'll be having some uh, proper action this weekend. Yep, 10-year deal, Shebex, yes, uh, which all sort of came about with the Viva um, purchase of OTR from the Peregrine Corporation earlier this year, which is still subject to a few little um, a few little approvals, but it all looks like it's going to go through. So, Having said that, yeah. I went to my first OTR in Melbourne last they, week uh, and down at is... uh, St Kilda Marina. This is not an ad for OTR. Like no, no, not be, at all. I'm just saying I hadn't seen be. an OTR before in Melbourne. But they're very good. The first one I'd seen. They're very good. Like, oh, I mean, the one Mark stopped yeah. at the one at the Bend, and you can stop and you can fill your car up, do your it's supermarket shopping, get a coffee, a hot tubs, a haircut. At but that's tubs. in South Australia. You expect to stop at an OTR because there's nothing else. Well, exactly right. Get your exactly. frog cake, get some clown meat. It's Correct. fantastic. Well, and every well every Shell Coles Express store in the country within two or three years will be an OTR. So, Selling clown uh, meat. Uh, yeah, why not? So everybody's going to get that uh, terrific experience that was born and bred right here in South Australia. Um, yeah, no, looking forward to the weekend at Shell V Power Motorsport Park. So Dick Johnson Racing will be happy to refer it by that name. Uh, I doubt Walkinshaw and Duty United will, but that's the way commercial deals go. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. Last sprint race of the year, can you believe? Oh, mm. all, all big boys from here on in. So it's going to be a really interesting round to see how it plays out. The weather, I suspect, will be quite fickle. It could go from being dry to wet very, very rapidly. So that will be a, a real talking point this weekend. Could be good practice for Sandown in a few weeks' time. Um, and it's a circuit that traditionally throws up some pretty spicy results in racing. And you know, we've seen Andre Heimgarten, we had on the show the other week, talk about his win there a couple of years ago. And there's always been some good scraps. And if you remember last year, had that four amazing four-car battle for the lead in the rain with Waters and Van Gisbergen and Anton Di Pasquale all carving each other up. So it does produce pretty good racing. So looking forward to seeing how this weekend plays out. Any thoughts, Mark, from you about the weekend? I'm just looking forward to being at a race meeting at the Bend rather than just stopping in at the gift shop on the yes. way through to Richard's house. <laughs> True story. He's literally on the road from Melbourne to the Barossa Valley. Yeah, it's um, it's a good it's a good race meeting. Like the the program is awesome. Mm. So much so that it starts at seven thirty in the morning on Saturday, which is a bit early. It's a big day. But, um, 
big round of Porsche painted Dixon Carrera Cup Australia uh, with Garth Tander in the field, which is exciting. So looking forward to seeing how GT goes. I was out at a test day at the Bend Thursday a week ago. Um, everyone did new tyre Grand Prix at the end of it. And um, Garth talked himself down, but I'm here to tell you he was bloody quick. So that's no shock. Um, so the Carrera Cup field is great. Would you believe that Sam Shaheen's 100th Carrera Cup race comes in race one this weekend at the Bend Motorsport Park? Perfectly. You, you couldn't uh, script that. Yeah, and I promise it. you, yeah. hand on heart, it's not been scripted. That is factual. Uh, Twitter Gazoo Racing 86. So Fabian Coulthard, the guest driver there. So he's doing double duties. They've been, ra- they've been racing so well, it's the 86s been, lately. They'll be great. It has been very, very good. So too, Curra Cup. Uh, S5000 there for the first time for a championship round, which will be quite good. And Touring Car Masters on the program as well, which will be good fun. They've never raced there. And uh, the Super Utes, which have been quite good this year, I think. So I'm looking forward to seeing how... I don't want to sound like I'm saying it with surprise, but I think I am. But they were they were good last time out, and... I think they will be again. So um, it's a very, very good program. Lots to take in. Good value. Um, the choir, um, choir boys are playing. Good uh, pub, oh. Aussie pub rock legendary band. They're on Saturday night. So that's go. going to be good fun. So, yeah, lots going on. Fantastic stuff. Let's turn our attention to what's happening overseas because there's plenty happening in the States this weekend with uh, everybody racing at Indianapolis. Well, we'll save the IndyCar for the hots and knots, because I've got a list of things to roll through in that. But we should <laughs> we should probably talk NASCAR, Mark, with uh, two interesting races in Indianapolis. One on the short track at uh, IRP and the other one on the road course. One of the most talked about road course races in this part of the world for, uh, for NASCAR. Yeah, well, the Saturday morning race, it actually got aired on Fox mm. Sports. We managed to break that story on the racetalk.com. Friday night that they decided to broadcast it. Thank you, Fox Sports. Uh, Van Giz over there, first oval race, finished 19th, qualified, what, back 28th. He raced really well, though, running an over and under on how many crashes he would have in the race. It was sort of 1.5 and everyone was going overs. But uh, he kept his nose clean, did a good job, learnt a lot, um, raced well, had fun. He's having fun. Mm. That's something you don't see that sort of happy, smiley Shane unless he's jumping out of a rally car after he's won a super special stage. But uh, he's over there racing these NASCARs and he had a ball on the weekend. And I think he impressed a fair few people with his performance there first up in the trucks because he he didn't get much of a run up in that at all. His first wheel turned was in practice and and he went straight into it and he did a good job. Uh, Then over on the the big track uh, with the NASCAR Cup Series, a couple of supercars drivers over there. Of course, Brody making his debut. He didn't get the test session that uh, Van Giz got uh, on his debut. So he jumped in the car for practice, had mechanical dramas, got two slow laps in, thrown straight into qualifying, went out there and qualified 11th, binned the car, unfortunately. So (laughs) after two laps practice, he was pretty quick, straight out of the box. Uh, Fortunately, I had to go to the backup car, uh, raced well during the race. They took a bit of a, a pit stop gamble towards the end there. We end up 22nd, which... You know, it doesn't look great, but he was uh, competent. And I think uh, he sort of impressed the right people with his performance there, considering the lack of run-up that he got to it. You know, mm-hmm. you look at the other wild cards in inverted commas for that race. Mike Rockenfeller, 24th. Jensen Button, 28th. Uh, Kamui Kobayashi, who everyone was red hot raging about because of his test uh, leading into it. He was P33 and nowhere all day. Yeah, he... no, our, our boys smoked him, didn't they? Yeah, so mm-hmm. you want to be a supercar driver. 
Uh, SVG had a throttle issue, um, which I think probably uh, cost him a fair bit there. Uh, apparently, he was quite sick too, so that wouldn't have helped his cause. Uh, he was up there in the top 10, started 8th, finished 10th. Weird race. It was a good race from the perspective that it was a pure, clean race, and the guys who were duking it out to make it into the playoffs were all at the pointy end of the field. So there was a, a fair bit of interest there, and it was Michael McDowell who he stomped them basically, but uh, he was pushed all the way by uh, Chase Elliott, who's still chasing a win and needs a win now to make it into the playoffs. But uh, McDowell, second win after the Daytona 500, and he drives for front row motorsport. It was like Matt mm. Stone racing, <laughs> winning in Darwin. Like that's the equivalent of what went on there. <laughs> so um, th that's all getting spicy. Two races left before the playoffs, but Shane, he uh, did a good job. First time that a rookie driver, first two races, has finished in the top 10 in both since Terry Labonte in 1978. Oh. God, so there's a stat for oh, you. Oh, no one does stats like the Yanks and NASCAR, do they? Amazing. No, well, We've got to talk about Michael McDowell a little bit further, I thought, because he's had two wins in his career, 432 races, and both of those wins have been at either Indy or at Daytona. Yeah, big game. Maybe we don't have to talk there. about Michael McDowell, but it was a journeyman, uh, you know, from IndyCar originally. Yeah. Uh, went and did some ARCA and got picked up by Michael Waltrip. Had that mother of all shunts at Texas where he rolled a billion times it, when the Car of the Future debuted in about 2007. But uh, yeah, he's been around all the rubbish start and park teams over the years. And um Finally, he's found a little niche there that's working for him, and now he's in the playoffs, and he's actually been – he was on for the playoffs anyway before that win, so good on him. Yeah, good on him. I mean, uh, I still won't I still won't forgive him for punting Marcus Ambrose in the wall one year <laughs> about 2011, but uh, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, let's not hold a grudge. Uh, IndyCar, do we want to chuck that in now? Do we just go straight to No, let's go straight to the hots and knots, I think. Well, can, I, can I go hot first because it's off the yep. back of what we were just talking about? Mm -hmm. NASCAR's bump and run. That's hot for me. Just let blokes push blokes off the track and let it go. It's just racing. I've got no issues with that. I liked it. Just don't complain when you get fixed up in revenge next 100%, time. 100%. 100%. You've got to copy yourself. Correct. Mm. Yep. 100%. Does it, only, does it only happen at Indy? No. No, it happens everywhere. Yeah. Okay. Like the, the only thing to can't... be more prominent at Indy. No. Nah, the, the only things you can't do is. You know, right rear hook someone in the fence in a speedway yeah. race, that's bad. And also crashing people intentionally under caution, that's bad yeah. too. Yeah. But everything else is fair game. Have a go. Robin's racing. Mm. Any more hots? No, that's it. That'll do me. <laughs> oh, well, you guys oh, always okay. take up so much time that oh, I'm just happy to have one. No. You you just you feel free to contribute more. That's all we're saying. It's we we would do less. That would mean I'd have to do more research. So no, yes, I'm it would. Yeah, that. okay, all right, no worries. Uh, hot, uh, the power of the people. Fox Sports heard and they listened, and after the furor that was the last week's British Motorcycle Grand Prix, uh, and the incredibly disappointing switch to the TNT Sport commentary. Fox Sports are going back to the world feed this week. So that experiment lasted exactly one race. Watch there now be a terribly boring race on Sunday night. But anyway. Uh, how, how bad was that TNT feed? It was bloody awful because they've changed back, apparently. 
<laughs> so clearly it wasn't real good, Shebex. Yeah. Uh, so good on Fox Sports for listening to their viewers, which is nice. Well done. They care because people pay for them. So good on them. Uh, we touched on GT World Challenge. So that's definite hot for me. Top level GT3 racing at its absolute finest. Um, I did want to give a hot to the names that were announced for this TCR World Tour because they're legitimately all good drivers. Two world champions, more than 100 TCR wins at international level, four of them TCR World Cup champions, um, and some great names that I'm looking forward to my colleagues, Matt Nolte and Greg Rust, having to call, like Ted Bjork, Santiago Urrutia, uh, Marquin Qua, Jan Arachla, Rob Huff, Fred Vavish, who's been at the Bathurst 12 hour before, Mikkel Azkona, who's in the Hundi, uh, Norby Michelas, who's uh, Hungarian and very, very popular in that part of the world, and Nesta Jilrami, who's been here before in the Honda um, as well, which is cool. I'm tipping Will Brown gets a lot more coverage than what he may normally. Even yeah, well, in, a, in a wild card, Jack Smith. Oh, I hope yeah. I pronounced <laughs> yeah, that correctly. I hope I got that right. I hope I pronounced that correctly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's really cool, and there's more coming, so that's going to be terrific. But my main hot this week, uh, and I've got one little addendum hot I'll throw in at the end of this, but my main hot this week is in IndyCar and it's Scott Dixon. Scott Dixon is a force of nature. At 43 years of age, he won the second Indianapolis Grand Prix of the year to get his first win of the season. And it takes Shebex to 19, the number of consecutive seasons Scott Dixon has won an IndyCar race. 19 years, uh, dating back to Watkins Glen in 2005. And in Scott's 23 seasons in top-level US open wheel racing, back to his debut in Champ Car Kart in 2001, only two of them, 2004 and 2002, have been winless. And Scott has had 53 career wins, 132 podiums from 382 races. It is just an all-time elite god tier level career but i wanted to put his win in perspective scott's 43 years of age now which is remarkable that he's still as competitive as he is so when scott dixon won his first indycar race at nazareth in may 2001 scott mclaughlin was eight years of age so you can see little scotty panning around in a go-kart at that point wasn't jesus born in nazareth Y- yes, Bethlehem, not not Pennsylvania. No. Um, anyway, we digress. Um, so Scott McLaughlin was eight when Scott Dixon won his first race. So you can see why he was such an influence on McLaughlin's career. Alex Pillow, the current championship leader, and he's going to win the title, barring an airstrike by an enormous margin and good drive for any team next year because he doesn't know who he's signed for. Uh, he was four years of age. He is Dixon's current Chip Ganassi racing teammate. So when Scott won his first race, Alex Pillow was four. The stats get better because when Scott Dixon won his first race at Nazareth, Pennsylvania, on the oval there in May 2001, three race-winning drivers in this year's IndyCar field, Colton Herter, Renas VK, and Christian Lungard, were less than 12 months old. He was. Rena's VK was five months old when he won, but it gets better because one of Scott's IndyCar rivals this year, rookie driver out of Indy Light, Stingray Rob, the brilliantly named driver, IndyCar rookie, was five months from being born when Scott Dixon won his first IndyCar race. So that just puts into context how unbelievably good and how much longevity Scott Dixon has. To quote the great Mark Howard, build the man a statue. 
It's remarkable what he's achieved in his career. And he shows no signs of slowing down. And he's still right in the championship mix in the top three in the championship. Uh, my final can highlight. Just, and- sorry, just off the back of that, Richard, can I just ask a silly question? Is Scott Dixon seen as big as he would be if he was an American? No, probably not. Yeah. But that's all right. At least he's born in Brisbane. Yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> uh, the, my other hot will tie into my knot, but um, I, I just I need to give a shout out to a small group of people involved in our sport who on Saturday night at Queensland Raceway elevated themselves to another level to deal with a really awkward, unfortunate and pretty troubling situation at the racetrack. Um, and there are a couple of people that I won't name that that just stood up and were outstanding in the way they managed both themselves and helped manage other people. So uh, they know who they are. Um, I've told them, but uh, I just needed to, to say that. And, and in times of crisis and challenge, some people really do step up and I'm just so proud of our sport and some of the people in it, especially how they, uh, they stood up when things were going pretty bad. So bloody good job to them and well done. I won't name them, but um, I felt like that needed some public uh, acknowledgement. Moving on. Cool. Good work. Uh, Well, and an interesting development motorsport remains a standing hot this week. So uh, kudos Mm. to you motorsport. Mm. And in late breaking news, it seems I've got two years to get 400 IndyCar podiums if I'm to match my fellow Brisbane-born Scott Dixon in mm. those in that tally. So a lot of win- got, a lot of winning to do. Got to pull good my finger out there. Yeah, good luck. Um, Shane Van Gisbergen has confirmed his entry to the Daybreaker Rally in September in New Zealand. So it's nice to get miles up, isn't it? Really. <laughs> uh, and on SVG. Um, how good were the down under theme podcast from the States this last week? First, there was Brody was over there on stacking pennies with Corey LaJoy and they're all mates from the K and N series back in the day. Like Corey used to run Brody in that mm. series. And subsequent to that, uh, Brody helped out Corey ahead of Chicago. And it was probably the best chat I've ever heard from Brody. If you want to hear Brody really open up, go and give stacking pennies a listen. It was really good. And then there was, SVG on the Dale Jr. download where, oh boy, he went full f- no filter. <laughs> you know, you go back to that Friday in Newcastle at the start of the year when there's the presser and he he got a tear up from someone in supercars management because he went out there and said that the cars are hard to drive and it's hot. Mm. Like it was the most vanilla nothing. And that was the snowflake that has gone on to cause this avalanche this year. Mm. And, you know, ultimately supercars are going to lose their biggest star. Yep. And, you know, on the Dale Jr. download, he came out there and said that supercars racing sucks. And he said other things too, that were pretty damning of the situation in supercars at the moment. Uncomfortable listening if you're in supercars HQ at the moment. And, you know, they're really in the find out stage of 2023 at the moment and it ain't going well for them. Mm. Um, I think the the biggest that SVG actually lit up in that whole chat was when he found out that Dale Jr. is one of Charlotte's biggest property barons and rents <laughs> out homes to most people in NASCAR. And, and I, I can relate to that. I mean, I've moved state a few times in my life and just finding a home is a stressful thing. Yes. And it, it, Shane's a person and we're all people. And if he can get a house off of um, Dale Jr., that's going to make his life a lot easier. So um, 
yeah, give it a listen. Good stuff. And on a, actually on a very similar topic, um, I'm trying to quit Twitter at the moment and I have to reconsider because Dale Jr. gave me a retweet. <laughs> Redneck Jesus himself. Yeah. He did it. <laughs> what a blowout. Uh, and that, that tweet was regarding the Thunderdome and what a revelation. Um, yeah, that whole weekend, that was really cool. And I, I can't wait to see uh, what happens out there at Calder moving forward. I really enjoyed taking photos at new racetrack uh, in inverted commas um, because you, you go to these racetracks and everyone's so set in their ways. There's a right and a wrong way to take photos at every racetrack. Like you go to Sand Andy stand here, you go to Bathurst, you stand there, you just roll the arm over. But because no one's ever been to Calder in 15 years, 20 years, whatever it's been, there's no rules. You go out there and just make it up yourself. So that was good fun. And I actually really enjoyed taking photos at the Thunderdome because I like panning, which is a, photo jargon for like swinging around and follow the cars as they go around in circles. And at the Thunderdome, you just stand in the middle and you can just go around in circles all day and you can't take a bad photo. It's <laughs> fantastic. Um, oh, Sunday, I went and did my second um, motor car in two weeks. And this one was on the dirt at the Pack and Water Club. And lads, just on the quiet between you and I, mm. uh, that was the most fun I've had with my clothes on or off. Oh, wow. In a long time. Yep. Wow. You know, when I signed up to do this Motocana stuff, that was exactly what I was hoping for. Just doing rad skids and pulling handbrakes in a paddock. It was just wow. bliss. It was everything I'd always wanted to do. Um, been given the motorsport media a bit of a spray lately, but um, I'm going to give an attaboy to Erebus on the news drop with Will Brown. Good PR 101. Drop yep. your bad news on a Friday afternoon. Yep. Well played. I yep. appreciate that. While while the sports occupied at Queensland Raceway as well, which was even better. Fantastic. Mm. Um, hot goes to Devlin De Francesco start in the Indy Grand Prix there. <laughs> sixth to first. Mm. What was that about? That was awesome. Yep. Uh, that was hot. Cole Larson, he won the Knox, Knoxville Nationals. Second time he's won the Knoxville Nationals. Did it at 1am. Flew to Indianapolis, unveiled his Indy 500 ride, and then beat SVG in the NASCAR race. Mm. It's good to be good. <laughs> and finally, hot goes to, well, Shane Fowler dominated Class E in the yes. production cars at Queensland Raceway on the weekend. In the race talk sponsored, and you know, for us, it's major sponsorship. Yep. Uh, Mazda uh, also carried significant signage there from Shane Signs in Bathurst. If you need signs in Bathurst, talk to Shane Signs, a great company there who do a lot of motorsport stuff. Mm. You'll love to see it. Coincidentally, this is the second week in a row Shane has been mentioned in the hots. Perhaps he's the new Pizza Hut. Oh, mm. oh, that's very interesting. Mm. Very interesting. Can I can I go with one final hot for comment by all? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The Shahins to purchase supercars. That would be hot if it's true. It's a pretty good rumor. It'll be a not next week if it turns out to have just been a publicity stunt to drum up interest for the OTR Super Sprint this weekend. Because <laughs> yeah, most of the facts in the world come from the Triple M rumour file, don't they? That, yes, they yeah. have. They have. The uh, Adelaide Advertiser has started running it this week as well now, so uh, it's definitely doing the rounds. Uh, it's, a, it's a feisty little story. Feisty little story. I like mm. it. Oh, it's knots. Knots. Uh, for me, SVG out of the Supercar Championship. He cannot win the supercar championship from here with his attitude towards supercars at the moment. I think he's just absolutely just jumping in the card to fulfill contractual obligations. He won the last race. Could, 
No, no, I totally understand that. That's before he went over there and bagged the joint. I you're, you're, he, feeling... he can, you're saying he can win the championship. You just don't want him to no, win no, the No, no, no. I'm saying he won't. Okay. I'm saying his mind is just so far away from being inside a supercar that he could not give a stuff about being inside a supercar anymore. And I just don't think that he's got his heart behind it. So I think you could take him out of the absolute equation. Ah, I think he can absolutely win it. Because mm. I don't think his attitude would have changed. Well, a lot let's see who's days. bloody right then, Mark. <laughs> oh, right, oh, that is. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting. So you've got you've got Shane, who's throwing the teddies out the prams, leaving the sport. You've got Will Brown, who's leaving Erebus and yep. going to take Shane's seat. So you can't imagine that Erebus are going to let Will Brown win the championship. So congratulations to Brody Kostiki and or Brock Feeney. <laughs> Get on. Get on, Brody. Can you imagine how good it would be if Brock Feeney wins the championship this year? And oh. from the clouds, it's Chaz Boston. Well, Andre Heimgartner. Why not? He's not He's not that far behind, really. Less than a weekend of racing. You Do you know what? The On all seriousness, the winner of Bathurst this year will be an enormous player. In that who, 300 points will be massive. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's for it's sure. enormous. Just enormous. So, And the other, the other not for me, too, is the P1 lane at Sandown. Uh, I took some video on the weekend, which you guys have seen. And if you get pole position at Sandown, well, just forget about it. Because we had Formula Forms at Sandown. And everyone who was in position 1, 3, 5, 7, 9, 11, 13, 15, 17, 19, 21, 23, 25, 27, 29, and 31 was overtaken by everyone in positions mm. 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, 22, 24, 26, 28, 30, and 32. At the start, play because that, they were just that absolutely bogged down. Yeah, yeah. how to count. <laughs> Listen, uh, well, do you know, there's something about that because Sydney Motorsport Park, I reckon pole position's on the wrong side there. Yeah. yeah. It's on the inside. And we saw that time and time again. Queensland Raceway, exactly the same. The and number if anyone of wants to dispute and, it, I've got video proof. And Shebex will fight you. Um He's got the ears to prove it. But Queensland Raceway on the weekend was the same. The number of times people started on the outside of the front row in second and led into turn one. Yeah. 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 And you're absolutely right, Richard. You don't get ears like this by sitting on your bum. Exactly right. <laughs> it's fight and talk, and we like it. That's what we're here for. Um, what Was was that your only not? I had two. Settle down. Okay. At SVG. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. All right. Uh my, my not will be the only obvious one, which was the, the Porsche crash on Saturday night at Queensland Raceway. Um, and proof that for all the work that Quinny's done at that place, and it is remarkable, there's still things I think that can be improved and probably the the position of that Marshall's point will be looked at. Um, and I think it needs to be looked at. Uh, can't and won't say too much about the accident itself, but it was... Very, very scary and um, and really, really, really bad to see that unfold. So, uh, yep, that's my knot. I, there's, there's not much more I can say about it, but um, that's the only knot I've got this week because um, I just uh, hope everyone involved is uh, in, a, in a good place coming out of it. Yep, agreed. Uh, you know that Hollywood rider strike? Mm. Yeah. You know, as it turns out, you know, I only watch car racing on TV. I don't watch any thing from Hollywood and I truly did not give a stuff that was until now. Well, um, as it transpires, a sponsor in the entertainment realm was meant to sponsor Catherine Legg in the Xfinity series at the Brickyard over the weekend, but because of the strike, they had to pull the pin. 
Mm. And Catherine's out in the sidelines, which is a not. That's a shame. Uh, social media is in the knots again. Uh, Noah Gregson liked a social post that really wasn't in line with society values in 2023 and was subsequently benched by his team, the Jimmy Johnson-owned Legacy Motor Club, mm. and also benched by NASCAR indefinitely before he pulled the pin on his own contract. So uh, the bloke with the worst bowl cut in the world needs to find a new gig. Um, so after Sydney Motorsport Park's Supercars round, Triple Eight ran back-to-back all three of their chassis at the ride day on the Monday there, and Jamie drove them all and reported that they all had different steering, and Shane's car remains a, an absolute dud. Mm. So he's going to wind up back in the wildcard car for the next round. So will Craig Lowndes and Zane wind up in the dud, or will they get that a new sounds, chassis? Well, or... that doesn't mm. bode well for the super cheap car at the Great Race, does it? Not great. Not, no. No. Um, also... Not following the weekend's TV coverage from the States is Shane Van Gisborne, whoever <laughs> that is. Yeah, that's it's not the last time we're going to have those issues, is it? SVG. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it was also SVJ at one stage. He was. So, oh, was he? Yeah. 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 Didn't go well. Yeah. Um, finally, Alex Palau's IndyCar contracts. Mm. It's it's not terribly believable. It's poorly written. Lots of plot twist. Zero stars. Would not recommend. Mm-hmm. And, and then he's then he's fired his management because there was yes. another contract that he had and yeah. he was yeah. just getting too much, really. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> can I uh, can I have one more not just to finish off? It's your show. Catch you, boys. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us right here on the grid.